There's no escaping it. It's been months since this particular movie first hit theaters and still, everywhere you turn, you hear it. No matter if you're scrolling on TikTok or listening to the songs people are humming at the office, everybody around you is specifically not talking about Bruno. Today, we're taking a good look at the latest Disney hit, Encanto, as well as diving a bit deeper into the struggles and even mental health issues of many of the family members, all while trying to not sing the soundtrack and get a copyright complaint. Are you ready? It's time to wake up. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Up and at them. Rise and shine. This is your wake up call, people. Come on, the coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. What's up, my nerd? I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerds. You're tuned in to the back row with Matt and Mo, proudly a part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. I'm Radio Matt, the station manager and chief radio nerd here at LTN. I'm a third-generation radio dude and a lifelong nerd. And I'm Mo, sidekick to the chief radio nerd, here to bring the facts and fire to your day. Now, where is my coffee? I will apologize right off the bat. I am recovering from bronchitis. My throat uh, is better, but my voice is worse. Uh, worse. <laughs> so I sound gravelly. Than mine. Uh, you'll get used to it as time goes on. <laughs> I have. The back, row morning show. <laughs> the back Row Morning Show is a Monday through Thursday show on LTN Radio that covers a wide range of topics from all across church and pop culture. And we usually take a topic in threes, three segments focusing on different aspects of our weekly discussion and some discussion with our Discord buds. You're listening to a compilation of the main topic segments from this past week's morning shows. This week, we're examining Disney's Encanto. Before we jump into our discussions, Mo and I have a side venture called Back Row Games, home of several Christian tabletop games, including our two most popular, Judge Not and Sunday School Answers. Sunday School Answers is the original Christian knockoff of Cards Against Humanity, all the awkward fun without the need to bathe in bleach afterwards to get all the sin off. And we've got some updates for you. First of all, there are two new booster packs now available. The Sports Booster Pack with cards covering more sports than ESPN2. And the Parenting Booster Pack, a set of parenthood cards written by Michael Mordanga. And we've got lots more coming out in the next few months. Next month, we'll be releasing our largest expansion yet, the White Box, with 266 new cards to add to your original game. Uh, and then in April, we've got three boosters coming out. The Music Pack, the Cool Youth Pastor Pack, and the Your Dumb Ideas Pack, which is just a pack of blank cards for you to write your own thoughts on. <laughs> and you can check it all out and get your copy of Sunday School Answers at BackRowGames.com. To open up our week on Encanto, Encanto. we are going to be talking about... Well, before we do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to you need, need to, to do, do this right. We need to do the spoiler alert thing. Wow, 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 wow. Your siren sounds like a, a dying cat. <laughs> You obviously never heard a cat die. (laughs) 
might be a cat in heat, but it's not a dying cat. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> you have siren written in here. I was just trying to be helpful. I it just caught me off guard. If you haven't seen Encanto yet, oh, this segment is going to spoil it. time when uh, you were you were late on the news the news intro and you're like meow here's the news I just spit all over myself and all over the mic <laughs> oh god oh. oh man if you want to jump in on the discord chat anybody who's watching oh, sorry got, Kaylee already got Tad in there Oh, oh, man. man. We're going <laughs> to open up our Discord, invite some of our back row buds to share their thoughts. Uh, they actually, a lot of them had a, a watch party recently for this, but I think most of the people that were in that aren't here. Um, oh, Thray made it, apparently. Did I miss it? Yay, Thray made it. Okay, she didn't think she was going to make it. Can I just say, I don't know why, you know, Thray has been one of our good good friends since the beginning of our what is this called streaming since the beginning since of our, our, streaming our twitching Twitch. yeah not twitching <laughs> <laughs> whatever yeah. but it's just now hitting me today like for some reason when you say thray maker i want to say miracle worker promise keeper <laughs> thray make <laughs> i don't know why why is it hitting me today for some reason <laughs> hey everybody good. making a dungeon right now making a dungeon wow <laughs> wow <laughs> Uh, Mo particularly. How's everybody doing? What about Mo particularly? We don't want to break their throats again. (laughs) Three, you were not here earlier when I admitted to struggling. Why are they doing this to me? Not to be confused with Secret Squirrel. That's a totally different thing. Secret Squirrel. Nobody shushes KY in a corner. (laughs) We're taking over. They're taking over. over. It's a good thing you have a button that can end them. Somebody has the stream. Not it. Are they actually on? No, we're talking to you. Yes, I think that's what's happening. We're talking to you. What do you put KY in a corner? Not it. They can't hear us. They can't hear us. They not hear us. They legit cannot hear us, right? Well, I mean, you could try. It just wouldn't go well for <laughs> they can't you. Hear they can't us. hear us. <laughs> can you hear us? Can you hear me now? Hello. Everyone on both sides is no. wondering who can hear who. What's no. happening? No. Here's the here's the thing. I see that Matt's unmuted, but I don't hear anything coming out of his mic. Yeah. 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 yeah we're on the, I'm on the screen right now. I do hear a lag yes, feedback. But, but I'm also hearing. An echo of of what Eli was yeah. saying. Just yeah, we're live. We're ago. totally live. Yeah, 
They can We're hear gonna... everything we say. Yeah, we can. Yeah, well, yep. Hello, world. Hi. Hello. <laughs> radio. Yes, hello, world. Hello. Hi, radio. <laughs> yeah. That's plugged in. So, oh, wait. so Matt and Mo oh, decided to play hide and seek on us, and mm. we have no <laughs> idea There are cables are. getting unplugged and plugged back in. Oh no! <laughs> this part Hello, radio. Oh, oh, wait, yes. I heard him. I heard him. I figured out the problem. Can you hear us now? I figured out the problem. I, I had it. There it is. got a very good quality, and Matt, Matt sounds sick. I had Discord on uh, on streamer mode. On push to talk mode from when I was oh, uh, playing out the other night. Get you every time. Get you every time. <laughs> well, that was kind of fun there for a second, guys. <laughs> yeah. You can totally just edit that whole section out. No, that is staying. Although, Thray, you do need to know that I was like yelling at you, fussing at you, laying hard into you because. You weren't here earlier when I was talking about how I was struggling with trust within relationships and do people talk about me behind my back? What are they saying about me behind my back? And we pop into the Discord and I can hear you talking about me saying my name and I was like, what are you saying? And you're not replying to me because you can't hear me, but you're not replying to me. Why are you talking about me, Thray? What are you saying? Well, in this case, it was because I could hear your lovely voice, but I couldn't figure out why we couldn't see Matt's bubble lighting up. Because normally that's how I hear you. Okay, that makes sense. That, and I could go into a rant about how wonderful Mo is. Yes, I need I need to hear that today. Oh, I'm just kidding. I don't. Somebody do the Mo shout out tag. Exclamation point yeah, Mo in the chat. Yeah. Well, no, because Matt pointed out earlier that that has to be changed because apparently I'm not the title belt holder anymore. Yeah, it anymore. says she never loses so. the belt, and she sure does. Yeah, we don't want to if propagate it's in print, it must be true. <laughs> That's well, right. Sometimes, sometimes you got to loan those out just to hold other people's pants up. It's That's prophetic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let you run the questions. It is oh, to laugh. I don't want to run the questions. Okay, okay so friends, uh, like on our end, hmm? there's an echo. I on feel our like end? I'm lagging. Okay. Uh, I don't know I what to good. do here. Sorry, this is so, Sorry, all right, guys. So here's the thing. We are going to open up our chat with a few <gasps> guided questions, okay, about our movie, Encanto. All right? But we first oh, need to start out with a general review of the movie. And there's a lot of y'all up in here, so I don't think that we can have a general review of everybody. Can we? Just a quick one. Just a quick one. Y'all here? Quick. Quick. This is a general review. Huh? Just what you thought of it initially. Yeah. Initial so, first impressions. So, yeah, yeah, initial viewing, yeah, yeah. yay, nay sort of thing? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, Thray. Okay. Okay. Thray maker, miracle worker. Mm. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Promise keeper. I think. Oh, let's that not get is blasphemous you. here, okay? Okay, <laughs> let's not get blasphemous. This is going to get real weird real fast. All right. General review, people. What you got? Loved it. Go for it. Love Jump it. in. Go. Now. Uh, okay. uh, great movie. Loved it. <laughs> Your guns. Pew, 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 pew. 
I rewatch Factor for parents of kids that do like to watch the same thing a thousand billion times a week. Holy cow! Yeah. Like and listen to the soundtrack. We've seen it. We've seen it at and least. We watched it last week. So Twenty-seven that way I times. Do this, so. Twenty-seven yeah. times at my house. Twenty-seven so far. <laughs> so many times. You gotta get to even thirty, Matt. <laughs> It'll happen. It'll be there by Monday. I'm sure. Lightweight. <laughs> okay. But wait, uh, it, it is Monday. Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was excellently crafted. Uh, just very, very well done. And I was listening to the music just recently and just, holy cow, just wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anybody else? Um, Go ahead, I thought it was an ex. Sorry, Matt. Um, I thought it was an excellent film for the time that we are in. I think that it is an excellent balance in telling a story as well as not hitting the emotions so hard. hard that people are traumatized by it. Hmm. Um, it's addressing real, real world problems that we are dealing with as a society without overdoing it in a way that anybody walks away further traumatized by what they're going through. And for that, it is masterful, I think. Mm. Very good. We're going to actually be talking a lot about that later in the week. All right. So I think brother Mott still had my bad. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to follow, follow up after that. Um, (laughs) I guess my first impression was, yeah, it was kind of pretty okay. Oh. If, that, if that's a hot enough take for everybody. Oh, that, that was spicy. No, if we're talking, if we're talking the very first viewing, I had the same. It's like, yeah, it was all right. But like, no, I, I was an emotional wreck afterward. It was one of them. But by like the second, the second and third watching, I'm like, oh, this is just fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Well, what was your initial thought? uh, You know, after hearing you say it, I will say that after the first time that I saw it, I was like, okay, yeah, that was a good, that was a good movie. A cute way to spend 90 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) But you're exactly right. The more that I've watched it, the more I've listened to the music, the more that I've thought in depth about each character, the more I'm like, okay. This is top notch. This mm-hmm. is this is something special. Yeah, this is really really good. Room again. Uh, does anybody have a favorite character? I mean, you have to have a favorite character. I'm actually, going to ask this question because we all know what everyone's going to say. No, I don't think so. What? Mirabelle. Mirabelle. Okay. I mean, that's Mirabelle. it's a safe choice. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> people that. say Bruno, but I'm like. Mirabelle. Who doesn't like Mirabelle? Voiced by Stephanie Beach. What's not to like? She's great. She is great. Mirabelle. All right. Anybody else? I'm getting glasses soon, so. This uh, is a different than, than talking about powers, right? We're just talking about the characters. Just the characters. Char- well, I mean, you, I know, mean, you, yeah. Yeah. you can define it. How I, you love, I love Dolores just because, you know, you, you always see this internal struggle, and I love how she always speaks quietly because she, I bet Here's she can't everything. stand her own voice. <gasps> Of all the things that I've thought about and of all the, like, all the, the, uh, people that I've listened to talk about the characters and whatnot, that is the first time anyone has ever said 
that I've heard anyone has ever said, she speaks so quietly, and I bet it's because she can't stand the sound of her own voice. <laughs> and when you think about it, it's probably so accurate. <laughs> I can't do the high pitch <laughs> that she does right now. <laughs> It wasn't Her me that squeak. time, guys. It wasn't me. <laughs> Any, me. Anybody else? Well, I, I will. It's kind of a side conversation, but we have a lot of talk about superpower comparison at our house. And so we've all kind of decided that Isabella's power is the most powerful. And so therefore my favorite uh, because it can be used offensively and defensively and for beauty and for function, for growing food. So like if any of the powers, I'm totally team Isabella. Isabella. Because flowers. Because flowers. Isabella. Yeah. I mean, my favorite may not be the, the most flashiest of the characters, but, uh, I liked Felix the most. <laughs> Which one was Felix? Felix <laughs> was like the um, Felix was Peppa's His Peppa's, Peppa's husband. husband. Yeah, Felix uh-huh. is great. I like that. Yeah, Felix is a yeah, very, that... Felix is a very encouraging character. That's mm-hmm. my favorite, especially to his we wife. Um, yep. Yeah, you know, like you can say, like even in that last song where you know all mm-hmm. the all the themes come together, and Bruno mm-hmm. is apologizing and saying, "I'm just trying to tell you, let it, you know, let it all out. Stop trying to hold uh-huh. this all in." He says, "That's, That's what I'm always saying. I'm always telling her that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah no, I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, who didn't give theirs? Oh, I think I didn't. That's because okay. I was stalling. Um. <laughs> <laughs> No, you can come out of the Thomas stall now. A... Yeah, I know. Um, they're all so good in so many ways. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You I have pick, the though. same struggle, Thray. Yeah, I know. I really do. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Uh, the problem is, is every time I think I've made a decision, I'll get a, I'll get a message from somebody who wants to talk about the show more, and they'll have me reconvinced about a character I've uh, underestimated. Yeah. Um, Are you going to say Mariana? Yes. Who? So I received I received a bunch of messages about Mariano uh, today, and how he's underappreciated. Um, he's just got so much love inside. He's oh, just trying to compete with uh, all these super power, uh, super powered girls, <laughs> and uh, that's just that's rough on a suitor, man. <laughs> but uh, that's not. I, I'm not going to lie. I appreciate Bruno. I appreciate him as an uncle. He he does good. He's very protective. I'm a fan. He he also, yeah, he, he seems like he may or may not have had a number that got cut. I'm very suspicious that we'll have a deleted scene. You think later. so? I think that knock, knock, knock on wood... Uh, had its own number <laughs> and somebody told him that the whole movie got too long and was too heart-wrenching so they cut it that's what i bet happened so, so you, this would be a sad song you sad should really song. go watch some youtube Does it exist? things uh-huh wow um all your questions answered about the movie Encanto. That's one of the ones that I watched this past week, like trying to prepare for this week's okay. episodes. Yeah. And it, there's a so, lot of interesting things that have been confirmed. 
mm-hmm. that have been cut or deleted or um, saved for further projects. I got you. I got you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, th- are you going to tell your favorite character? Oh, did I not tell mine? I don't think you did. Um, shoot, I should have been thinking about it then. Well, I uh, kind of think... So, <laughs> well, ha, ha, I'm not alone on this. <laughs> no, you're not. Thray, actually, before we started recording, I said something about, oh, well, this person's my favorite character. And then I was like, oh, but this person, too. Yeah. No, I, uh, think, I think mine is, uh, is, is, is Louisa. Yeah. Um, mainly because I think I connect with her struggle a little bit, the people pleasing, you know, kind of aspect, mm. uh, of it. So I, I, the first thing I saw of Encanto period was the YouTube video of her song. Cause I kept hearing that song on TikTok, and I'm like, what is this song? Uh, and I didn't know it was from the movie at all. And so I saw that. I'm like, Oh, this is a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and heartbreaking, heart wrenching, really. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say uh, Louisa. We'll definitely have to get into this later in the week, but I don't think that Louisa is a people pleaser um, as much as she is other things. But she is my favorite character. <laughs> so, that sounded rude. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no I don't. I know, I know it's not rude. Yeah. As much as she is other things. And actually, I believe that there is another character that is very much a people pleaser. Um. <laughs> We'll talk about it. Yeah. Don't die. Uh-huh. Into it. I'm not going to. All right. What is your favorite part specifically of the movie? Anybody? Why you do this to us? <laughs> <laughs> Why you gotta be so rude? There's so many great details. Um, hmm. um, can I just say every like a nuance in the film? I, I love those. We're going to be talking about the nuances. That's a separate question. Oh. So. <laughs> All right. I have a favorite part. Favorite part. Go. And, it, and it's a very specific one. Do it. It is after Bruno's reunion with the family, and he's trying his best <laughs> to muster this vision and to get it together, and he can't do it. And then uh, Antonio gives him his stuffed tiger oh, okay, that Mirabelle okay. made for him. Yeah. Oh, that was nerd. my favorite part because at the beginning of the movie, when, when she gave him that stuffed tiger, I thought he's going to treasure this thing. And then he got the power to speak with animals. And I thought he's not going to care about that toy anymore because the, the magic just gave him something so much better than this little stuffed toy animal. Uh, but no, he still treasured it and he treasured it so much that he gave it to Bruno when Bruno was in a really bad spot. Yeah. And that's why that's my favorite part. That's a good, good thought out answer there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I remembered, um, the whole table scene, that was just brilliant. I loved it. Yes. The table scene. <laughs> the is stare down. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. That was a really well done scene. <clears throat> Anybody um, else? My favorite. Well, scene I have. Was, go ahead. And not you. <clears throat> I dropped something, so I have to get that. 
So for me as a mom, like I'm I'm watching with my kids all the times we've watched it because they love it too. And they know that there are two parts where I cry. And so um, the flashback that shows uh, the relationship of the um, the grandparents and then the death of the grandfather and then um, the reunion at the end where um, the grandma has all three of her kids together and so they know they know that I'm going to turn on the waterworks at that point and so my favorite part about that is that they always turn and look at me and then grab my hand and squeeze because they Aww. know the emotion behind why I'm crying and so mm. that's my favorite part yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite part is right after Mirabelle goes into the painting. Uh, it's not Harry Potter style at all. Uh, but when she goes into the wall and sees Bruno for the first time, and the rat takes the glowing piece of uh, yeah. glass, yeah, and just gets floated up into the air. And there's just in this case actually Hernando because he has the hood up. Uh, me and Sophia like to really get really specific about which Bruno character is it. Like, and we don't talk about Bruno, it's Hernando at the wedding. <laughs> he has his hood up. That but, uh, no, that's, you know, that, yeah, that, that, Eli. That, section, that, that section, though, that's yeah. my favorite part, too, where it starts with the chase through the the wall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not doing I'm scared of nothing. You're, ve- you're very sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene, that's, that's one of my favorites. So, so what do you like? You like sports? Game shows. <laughs> Telenovelas. <laughs> Is that your favorite part also, Matt? Well, it's part of it. Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite part. I'll say that's my favorite part. Yeah. No, because Jesus on, but she is amnesia, so she doesn't know it's on. <laughs> I liked I liked the part when they're singing about um, forming a new foundation, because I feel like that was a really subtle detail to put in there, hmm. that in order for any of it to heal, they needed to have a new firm foundation. And and then in that musical moment, we have everybody coming together and the community coming. And I really appreciated that little bit, um, especially because, of course, there's biblical uh, mm-hmm. importance there that uh, while subtle it's a good framework to try to outline to others yeah so um, it's like yes thank you Lynn you've given me tools <laughs> great <laughs> so well speaking yeah, of was, uh, <clears throat> go for it speaking of Lynn Manuel Miranda mm-hmm the next question is... What is it missing? Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped oh. one. Do the next one first. The best song. <laughs> I know, I was song? trying to figure out where you were going with what is it missing and Lynn manuel but okay. Yeah, so what's your best song? What do you think is the best song? Well, I think we all know what the best song is, in my opinion, because I sang it. Don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did a good job, too. Look yes. Seriously, Eli, that was incredible, man. We Don't Talk About Bruno is literally more popular than Let It Go was on the charts. Good. Like, it beat Let Way It Go. Way back in the day. And that, Good. And Gosh that dang was, it. That was Good. the most popular Disney song ever, <laughs> and we thought it would be forever. <laughs> Didn't deserve it. So, it was like, right, challenge accepted. 
<laughs> so I personally think that we don't talk about Bruno is the most catchy. Definitely. But I don't think it's the best. Mm, it's the best one. I think Luisa's song. Surface Pressure? Yes. Yeah, that's really good. I think that is the best song, honestly. I do. I do like it. Yeah. I'm with you on Mo on that, Mo. I can talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I agree, but possibly for different reasons. Okay. But you don't um, even know I think my reasons. We don't talk about Bruno <laughs> is probably the most technically impressive mm. of of the songs because there is a whole lot going on that just works seamlessly. Meshes, yeah, All gets stitched so together. Well. So well. It's, it's really, really impressive how they did that. Um, but Luisa's is my favorite, not because it's technically the best, but because it's a song about being uh, the oldest, the oldest child in a family. Mm, okay. 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 And it, and that floored me. I wasn't I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> Matt, do you have? I know there's several others. Never mind. I'll ask later. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know what she's going to ask, but okay. she said it would be later. Okay. Brace <laughs> <laughs> yourself. Brace yourself. Yeah, right? Anybody else's? Uh, yeah, hey, anybody? What? Songs, anybody? Other than Bruno? Uh, well, I mean, other than Bruno. Yeah, I mean, ca Counterpoint is one of my favorite musical things of any. So having that in Bruno just, I, I can't get over that. So... I love it when there's different melodies laid on top of each other like mm -hmm, that. That's mm -hmm. just, I love it. So it's some of my favorite, like, you know, Weird Al song, Pancreas, you know, they do the same thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> bring Weird Al in there. We're talking about singer-songwriters that are amazing and life-changing. Um, but Two that's just, that's always been something that I've adored. In the same category with each other. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, let me just tell you, they disagree because if you will look oh, and yeah, see, no. yeah. Weird Al actually did a polka of Hamilton <laughs> and Lin-Manuel yes. Miranda recorded himself live watching, listening to it for the first time and he fangirled out so hard and I love that video. <laughs> yeah, did. But um, yeah. yeah, so musically, just as a singer, uh, I just really enjoy Counterpoint so I, I don't think anything could top Bruno as far as that, that goes for that movie for me. <laughs> All right, who hasn't given theirs yet? Um, Ten, yeah. three? Uh, yeah, I was looking at the list. Um, Waiting on a Miracle, actually, is one of my favorites. Oh, there. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, mm. uh, because of the, the all the other songs are about an inner struggle, and Waiting on a Miracle has, has an inner resolution, which I love, and they express that inner resolution with accidentals, and I love that even more. Good point. Mm -hmm. They do. You're right. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Are we? Yeah. Oh, go three. ahead. I think three has. Sorry, one. three. The thing that I was going to ask is, do you have a least favorite song on that question list of yours? No. Okay. Do you have a least <laughs> She's favorite ready to answer song? That three? One. Brave choice. Brave choice. Okay. Um, well, this is going to be awkward due to just timing, but I was actually going to say that just because it's a device that Lynn has used before, I kind of had issue with Waiting on a Miracle. As much as it was important for storytelling reasons, I, I felt like 
okay, this is this is Angelica and Eliza again. Ah. Um, just in a Disney format. <laughs> we're using that same tool. We're doing that same twitch which side of the camera we're looking at the scene from and doing the I want song while a different s- song is going hey, on. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Arguably, Rogers and Hammerstein and a lot of other great uh, musical writers have done the same thing. I and so Ten, I, three out of We are still friends. With their knowledge. Right? But... <laughs> yeah, and, and it is known that I'm a Rogers and Hammerstein girl, so fine. <laughs> Um, I'd have never, um, I'd have never believed it if I didn't hear it right here, right that's now. That's that's the first thing I tell about uh, about you for everybody. This is my friend Thrash, She's a Rogers and Hammerstein girl. No, that that's the first yeah. thing he tells because it's the only thing that we really know. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. okay, fine. What's your favorite? What's your favorite song? Did you already say that? No, she yeah, only I said her it. least favorite. Yeah, oh. she's at surface pressure. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I, I agreed with Mo. That's oh, that's right. right. I'm that's sorry, right. Thray. I'm sorry. So you're giving her a hard I time. Listen. Your explanation was already perfect. You didn't need any words. <laughs> sorry. All right. Uh, are we going to go back up to what is missing? Yeah, but we need to we need to pick up the pace a little okay, bit because we're running a little late. What is missing? On uh, what in is that? Rapid fire. Uh, breath. It's missing breath. Um, so. Even the points of where it is trying to take a breath, it's like, okay, we're going. And it's it's just one after another, after another, after another. And it's like, yes, this is an animated movie and we have this limited time, but they like, woo, like really compressed. And like, you, you feel like you're having anxiety through the whole entire thing. And it's really cool because it's like pressure, but it's like, holy cow, we're rushing through all of this. Yeah, yeah I can agree it with that. It could have benefited an extra 15 minutes stretching it out a yeah. little bit. I agree with that. Yeah. Yes. Good point. Anybody else? I maintained my my theory that uh, I thought that Lynn Manuel uh, must have cut a song for Bruno, um, which Mo may or may not have the knowledge to. I got to look that YouTube up. Apparently, mm-hmm. you do. Um, but there just felt like there was a hole right there, mm. and there was references to that hole, and so it's like, okay, there is something here, and I'm gonna guess that these phrases have some tie to it if he were going to expand this into a three act Hmm. he would definitely focus here i thought at least okay okay. that goes to that breath thing yeah all right anybody else a rap a rap there's a rap it's in it's in the first song and that's another that's another one of those songs that really sounds like Hamilton because uh, right. I've, I've seen that on TikTok where they mesh together um, guns and ships from Hamilton. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And that the tail end of the Family Madrigal song. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> that would. I don't know if it's missing, but it. Uh, I guess it's kind of parallel in that I think it's there's too much. Um, sometimes I think there's a little too much Lin Manuel. <laughs> that shines through in the lyrics. Well, in that uh, song, because it just it just rips it just rips you out of the movie. It's like, well, those lyrics were a little too on the nose. <laughs> it was just a little too over engineered. <laughs> You're good at what you do, Lynn. I get it, but now I'm thinking about how you wrote the song instead of thinking about the song. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it's a point. And it's, it's a valid one. Anybody else have anything they want to add? We have one more question. 
Why does Abuela get a lit up door when she doesn't have a power? Oh, dang. Ooh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that for the uh, <laughs> Thursday show. So don't, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make sure you listen to the Thursday show. All right. So <laughs> let's round all of this out by talking about those. It was the nuances, right? Yeah. The, the little, little hidden little gems. Hidden details. Yeah. Can I go? Go yes, ahead. Yeah, go. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, oh my goodness, the nuances. So like, like all of us have been saying, uh, the first... It was not enough to do the first time view. And I love, love the the family dynamic nuances, the house nuances. Just every single interaction was so uh, precise and intended. Um, And they... The, the connection to imagery. So, for example, like the complete opposite. So you, we see Mirabelle's uh, parents, and you have the the fixer, and you have the one that need the, needs to be fixed all the time, and then you have the other set of parents, and she's uh, sporadic in her emotions, but then her husband is even keel. And I just I love those dynamics. I love how they they take imagery throughout the the colors even uh just carry throughout the, out the whole entire story and it's that it's just beautiful it's, it's got a lot of balance yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah a little thing that i noticed while re-watching it there's all these little designs throughout the house you can see it in the kitchen mainly and it's the little holes in the wall and they're all butterflies yeah it's foreshadowing from later on um bruno's vision when they see the butterfly mm-hmm later on in the movie when there's the butterfly uh, <laughs> if you look even on the album for Encanto there's two butterflies on it well that's what uh, well that's what Dos Origuitas uh, is okay. eventually alluding to uh, it's, yeah, that's called two, ca- two Caterpillars two Caterpillars and that tells the story and that yeah that gets to the point where it's uh, Dos Mariposas which is two butterflies Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that that is like that's a nod to the fact that Dolly is gonna is gonna play a, a small role somewhere in the future. <laughs> Only some of you will understand that. Now that the pass okay. is open, they can go to Tennessee. That's exactly right. Well, hello. I'm gonna go to. Yeah, I liked the little the cameo Bruno during um, yes. Dolores' section of the song. So I liked it for two reasons. One, because Dolores is the only one who knows he's still there, and so the fact that he shows up during her portion uh-huh. was a nice little you know foreshadowing nod but also i as a viewer i appreciate a reward for being someone who looks in the background right. yes Absolutely. and because um, yeah. one of my favorite children's authors peter spire he writes books where you you don't just follow the main story you can also read through it just looking at the stuff that's not the focus of the story and and be entertained and so i love looking and finding a reward in the background that the animators have put in there for people <laughs> that want that are exploring visually so yeah. i appreciated that a lot mm-hmm and there's every Marvel TV show ever to look yeah. for all the Easter eggs to figure out what's coming next. Yeah. <laughs> I think the fourth time that we watched it as a family, we were all picking out all the hidden little Easter eggs from different movies and whatnot that were mm-hmm. back there. So I love that's one of my favorite things about every Disney movie, though. Yeah. The, Disney and Pixar both. Well, yeah, is the, the connections, the tie ins from other movies. All right. Who hasn't spoken yet on this one? There were two details that I thought uh, were very interesting. Okay, that's a lie. There's like 15 others. Now I have to pick. <laughs> Just two main um, ones, right? Make the hard choice, three. Yeah, but picking. then I came up with a third, and then we were doomed. 
Um, Ray's choice. Okay. Uh, I mentioned all of these when we all watched together. Um, Abuela's uh, rosary with the watches and the locket of her husband on it were very interesting details. Um, Maribel's dress and how it mirrors her sister, Isabel, while having her own stitchwork in it, which I think has allusion to what her gift actually is, but I'm sure, Matt, you've got a segment to that, so I'm just going to leave that be. Thank you. And, (laughs) of course, we have Disney playing on the programming that they as a company have built into us with the use of the color green which I brought Mm. up when we watched Mm. in the fact that we have been trained to watch these movies and when we see green we all of a sudden do not trust oh they Um, they literally call that villain green yes I mean it happens with Scar it happens with uh, Maleficent it's happened for years Mm. it's an old trick but we are so Disney kid programmed <laughs> into it that when we're told oh, Bruno's trouble and he's being represented with all this green, you believe it. We're we believe it. Yeah. And there's subtle greens in different places <sighs> that also lean towards that mistrust. Yeah. So anyway, I like I just, that too. Um, yeah. My favorite little detail is it was already partially discussed where we talked about how. Um, uh, Dolores talks very quietly, but you'll also notice in there, like anytime something loud's happening, like when the fireworks or whatever's going on, she covers her ears. And if you look back to uh, the scene where she's clapping, she's only clapping with her index fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like this. I, I love her so much. She's great. Mm-hmm. I love it. So you know, much. her room is soundproofed. Is <laughs> it? I also Bruno, like. On the, yeah, that's missing too. Room. I want to see the other rooms. We need there. a house tour. We need um, a house tour. There's only yes. one bathroom in the entire house. I also like there that on, on all their impressive. clothes. On all their clothes, they have represented kind of what their power is. Uh-huh. Like um, mm-hmm. uh, Dolores has like little sound waves mm-hmm. on her thing. Um, uh, what's the what's the shape shifting kid's name? Camilo. 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 He's got a chameleon on his little thing, on his little over, yep. over poncho. And Mirabelle has all of them on hers. Mirabelle has all of them on hers. Yep. Uh, Luisa yeah. has little dumbbells. <laughs> I was convinced the first time watching it, up until like the very end, that the house, Mirabelle was the house. Like, oh, I like was, they were the same thing. Yeah. That would have been such a that fun twist. That would have been interesting. That's, I'm, the whole time I'm screaming, that's her power. The house is her power. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, thank she you. She was framed from the very beginning. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> thank you all so no. much for joining us to talk about this. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, welcoming us to talk about this that was a fantastic discussion about a great movie and we've got a lot more to talk about we'll be back with more stick around hey everyone i'm chris shadowin and this is reviews of the nerds
Today, I'm reviewing the board game Moonrakers by Ivy Studios. And no, this has no affiliation with the 1979 James Bond film starring Roger Moore. In this game, you take on the role of a mercenary working loosely with other mercenaries to complete contracts, upgrade your ship and crew to earn enough points to become the head of the Moonrakers. According to the box, Moonrakers is a game of shipbuilding, temporary alliances, and shrewd negotiation. It's a deck builder with a few twists. Like most deck builders, everyone starts with the same 10 cards. But from there, you can choose to buy crew members to add to your deck or ship parts, which give you permanent perks and add resources to your deck. On your turn, you can choose to complete a contract on your own, but if you want to win, you'll have to take on harder contracts that you can't complete alone. This is where the twist comes in. You'll need to negotiate with the other players to complete contracts. You have to decide if taking them is worth it, and you have to decide what contract rewards you're willing to part with. The harder contracts, the rewards are greater, but you have to roll hazard dice, which can cause you to lose victory points, which is what you need to win the game. The first one to 10 wins the game. If you're a fan of board games, deck builders, semi-co-op games, negotiating, and are arguing, then this game's for you. Trying to figure out strategies, deciding who to take with you on contracts, and figuring out who you should help or stab in the back is always a lot of fun. The replayability of it is great because there are so many different strategies to try. After playing this game for the first time, and losing, I immediately wanted to start again. I already had new ideas in my head of how I could win for the next time. The fact that you're engaged on other people's turns makes this game very interesting. And aside from the excellent gameplay, Ivy Studios has put out a game with very high quality components, including metal coins. Originally a Kickstarter game, it's now available on MoonrakersGame.com. My minor gripes are that turns can take a long time as people negotiate uh, for a long time, but you can set a timer if you would like. And some of the cards are square, so if you want to sleeve your cards, you have to buy custom sleeves from them if you like doing that. Besides these minor things, this game is top-notch. I highly recommend adding this to your collection and your rotation of games you bring to the table regularly. I'm Chris Shadowin, and remember, in space, no one can hear you rake the moon. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And every week, these three, four main segments get spread out across four daily morning shows on LTN Radio. And they include a lot more content, including weird news, random facts, games, challenges, rants, junk food, and more. And you can be part of all of that by following us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash LTN on air. So you'll be notified when we go live. You could even be a part of the show. And make sure you catch our full morning shows every Monday through Thursday on LTNonair.com at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10. <laughs> at 8 a.m. Eastern yeah, yeah, with an yeah, encore yeah. at 10 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> I felt that cough coming on. I tried to get it out in time. This week we are talking about Encanto. Last time we had an opening discussion on Encanto with our back row buds from Discord. And now in this segment we are going to start our three-part look at some of the characters in the movie. Doing a deep dive into their stories and struggles. But first, we have to give you... A spoiler talk. <laughs> we can't do this on <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not it. I don't even remember. <laughs> well, I'm not doing yours. I'm yeah. trying to do mine. Uh, uh, my The one that you are impressed with. Oh, I, I don't do. know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a dying cat. <laughs> All right. If you haven't seen Encanto yet, this segment is going to spoil it. So just put us on pause, go watch the movie, and come back and listen. Well, you know, just just close the podcast at this point. <laughs> go watch it. <laughs> no, put us on pause. If you don't put us on pause, then you won't come back. So. <laughs>
Oh, man. In this segment, we're going to take a look at two characters with some of the most obvious issues, given that they each had their own song devoted to them discovering this, uh, which is Isabella and Luisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we'll start with Luisa, who I have labeled the people pleaser, which you have already indicated that you are going to uh, expound upon that. Mm-hmm. Is it with the other character we're talking about today? Or no. is it a different character? Different okay. character. So for now, for this segment, we're just going to focus on her. With that title. Uh, So let's see. I just I took some notes down here of things that we can we can discuss. I don't have a specific roadmap, Um, but obviously to me anyway, at the beginning is she is initially in a lot of denial Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what the whole beginning of that was. Her running away from talking to Mirabelle. (laughs) <laughs> and then even when she's confronted by Mirabelle finally saying, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. And then that's kind of what starts to snap her out of it. Like, oh, I don't know how that, I don't know why that came out like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm fine. Everything's fine. Luis is fine. Everything's fine. Why wouldn't it be fine? And then starts singing her song, going about how she's definitely not fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, the song is about... In many ways, in many parts of it anyway, about being a people pleaser or about not finding worth outside of what you can do for other people. In fact, she even says, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the most telling lines, lyrics of that song. I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. And that's a sad line. Yeah. And a sad thought that I think a lot of people actually deal with. Yeah. Because I've felt that way before. Oh, yeah. Um, I do a lot of favors for people when it comes to things that I can do. And for a long time, I would would never say no, even if I was overloaded. Because even if I wasn't thinking it, like in the front of my brain, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, if I don't do this for them... They're not gonna have, you know. They're not gonna want to be my friend anymore, kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, as as kind of immature as that sounds, like the only, I, I I essentially had convinced myself that the only reason I had friends is because I could do stuff for them, and that would be where I would find my worth. Uh, a lot of days is in the people around me, and so like I felt that line in my soul. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I still have to fight that mindset sometimes. But I also have, uh, luckily, mainly through our, our work with Celebrate Recovery, have learned that it's okay to say no, mm-hmm. which is a lesson that she had to learn here, too, in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, especially towards the end. It's okay to take a break. It's okay if you can't do everything that needs to be done. And sometimes, like... When she goes out, before the song starts, she's walking, you saw a bunch of people come up and ask her to fix things, Mm -hmm. move this, donkeys got out, fix the house, blah, blah, blah. And while that does seem to be like the town putting pressure on her, I really don't think that if she said, I need some time, or I got to do this, or hold on, I got to take a break for a while, that we would have seen the town go, well, what? Yeah. But I believe... That the character is meant to have that mindset of, well, if I say no, everything's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And then she almost convinces herself that that's what's happening. Because when the magic starts to fade a little bit, 
Donkeys get heavy. Things are getting behind. She starts to panic. She gets back into work, even though she was about to take a break. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a dangerous mindset to be in because you'll run yourself uh, ragged. Yeah. You'll you'll destroy yourself. Yeah. If you give everything of yourself to everybody else, what do you have left? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So for me, Louisa is the one that I think I can relate to the most. There are definitely parts of every single character that I can see myself in. But for Louisa, it is definitely that is who I I relate to the most. And she is very much um, canon in our family. Your son, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of funny because the song leads you to believe, which do we ever really find out the birth order of the girls? I'm pretty sure she's supposed to be the oldest. Okay. But do we know for sure? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Because it leads you to believe that she is the oldest. You would, that's kind of what you would think. You would think that Luis is oldest. Isabella is middle. Yeah. And Maribel the is youngest, yeah, the youngest of that family. Right. However, I kind of think that Isabella is the oldest and Louisa is the middle. Because when you tend to think about family dynamics, you're, it's typically your middle child that tries to carry the weight. It's mm. typically your middle child that tries to be the bridge. Um, your middle child can see the struggle in the other family members and tries to carry that burden for them. They don't want to see things fall apart. And so instead of allowing things to fall apart, they carry it. Mm. And we see this image of this big, strong character, but there's a line in the song where she said, or, oh man, I don't even remember if it's a song now or not. But somebody makes a comment about how she is strong, and she says, yeah, but I cry sometimes, too. Oh, yeah, too. that's at the end, yeah. 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 Um, which is a beautiful representation of the fact that it's not just her physical strength, you know, that they're pointing to. Right. It's also this most emotional strength that the family assumes she has, not realizing that she's falling apart. Mm-hmm. She's having to carry her weight plus everyone else's weight, and it becomes too much, you know. Now she does this uh, out of love, right? Of course, like she's doing things for the family and for the Encanto because she loves them, because she feels a responsibility towards them. She has good intentions, right? Absolutely. But all the good intentions of the world won't protect you from burnout. Mm-hmm. And she's clearly on the edge of burnout, experiencing those symptoms, especially when she loses her strength. Yes. She feels like at that point she's worthless. Every mm-hmm. time you see her, she's her arms are hanging down. Mm-hmm. She, you, her eyes are closed. She's just weeping and moaning. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in that quick to to <clears throat> um, oh, quick to explode, that reaction that she has, yeah. you know, wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is a surefire sign of burnout, yeah. you know, and we've both been there. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, that's, that's something that like LTN, uh, we've been talking about that a lot lately in the group, um, in the discord, because, uh, one of the founders, uh, Chris, um, uh, 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 uh you know, St. Chris, 
mm-hmm. the photo back here. <laughs> he's he's taking a sabbatical. He's taking a couple months off to protect from burnout. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been doing this now for uh, not just with LTN, but with their their former ministry they're a part of too, with Game Church, um, for like six or seven years, mm-hmm. and he hasn't really taken a break. He, he, he said he's only really been recently uh, made aware that he's allowed to take a break, <laughs> you know, as a person. That's kind of funny. <coughs> funny is the wrong right. word. But that's yeah, right. But that's also why, like our podcast for LTN, all the main podcasts, um, aside from ours, take two two month breaks mm. every year. And so from June and July and December and January. There's no podcast coming out except for ours and ours. Even we take at least a two week break in the middle of that each time. And then we usually have a couple other weeks um, spread out around those times as well, just to make sure that we can get at least a, a good month of time off uh, during that break season. Mm-hmm. Um, just to make sure that we protect from burnout because before uh, I believe we started doing this in the middle of last year, I'm sorry, by last year, I mean 2020. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We started doing this in the middle of then because up until that point, every podcast was trying to go weekly nonstop. And they realized some of of the podcast hosts were like, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) They're like, well, maybe take, let's take a break. And then we'll see if we feel. And, you know, they took the break and then they came back like, yeah, let's keep it going. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, having that kind of, uh, that that resting period is important, but it's also sometimes frowned upon. Um, I remember our our former pastor here had been the pastor here for fifteen years. Fifteen years before he asked for a sabbatical, a break. He asked for a summer off, and most of us were like, "Yeah, of course." Mm-hmm. You've definitely earned it, but there were quite a few voices who were extremely upset that someone who was called to be the pastor of this church was going to have time off to the point where many of them left the church over it Wow! during that time. I'm like, look, <laughs> I understand where you're coming from that, you know, this is the, the, the ministry that God has given uh, a person, but at the same time. God definitely puts it into our spirits that we're supposed to have rest mm-hmm. and anyone, especially for a pastor job, anyone who knows what a pastor has to do knows they don't have a day off. They yeah. don't have rest even on their appointed uh, Sabbath, which is usually a Monday or a Friday mm-hmm. or, or something. They still get called for emergencies, hospital visits, right? Almost nonstop. Like it, it doesn't end. And so you have to take a break or you'll destroy your mind. You'll destroy your, your desire to do what you've been called to do. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a necessity. It's not a treat. It's a necessity. It's right. part of the work. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's all I got on her. Do you have anything else to add? <laughs> um, actually, no, I, I can see the aspect of people pleasing, but I don't think that overall she is the people pleaser. Maybe not people pleaser, but I guess it, the codependent person would be more what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, she definitely codependent in the sense that she carries the burdens. Yeah. 
she carries other others burdens she <laughs> carries the weight yeah even that song implies that she's she feels like she's carrying the weight of the whole family yeah yeah and uh that she's the only one that could mm-hmm. that i think is in that last little verse where she says um you know, see if you could handle the, the burden or the weight that's on my shoulders, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, or be, be happy that you don't have to handle the weight that's on my shoulder, something yeah. like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's noble and it's good intentions, but it's slightly ignorant and dangerous. It, yeah, <laughs> it is very, very dangerous. I, <clears throat> it's definitely one of those things where you have to find the good balance because and I said that this would be canon in our family. This would be my middle child. He is the burden carrier. Yeah. You know, um, I talked about how my daughter had her teeth, her wis uh, I keep saying wisdom teeth, her canines um, pulled last week. And immediately, Canon was like, okay, I'll stay home with her tomorrow. And not in a way that most 14-year-old boys would be like, I'm skipping school to stay home with my sister. No, he was genuinely concerned about her staying at home by herself. She's, she'll be 11 in a month. She's old enough to stay home by herself. Yeah. We live in a town that it would at the very most take me 10 minutes to get home to her. Right. You know, um, in some sort of emergency situation, but because he knows her, he knows her fears. He knows her worries. He knows what makes her anxious. He knew that her being at home by herself was going to be something that was going to be a fearful situation right. for her. Right. And he didn't, if he could handle that, if he could carry that burden, he was going to do it. And so in that way, it's one of those things where I I had to remind him, I'm so thankful that she has a brother who knows and cares and loves her enough but at the same time, you can't put yourself on the back burner. You have responsibilities. You have things that you need to be concerned with in your own life mm-hmm. that are going to end up falling behind, you know. Mm-hmm. At some point, you have to put yourself first. And I think that that is probably Luis's biggest issue is that she always puts herself on the back burner while worrying about everybody else. And I think there's a negative connotation with that thought of putting yourself first. Too. Oh, yeah. But really, that just means caring for yourself. So you can care for others. So you can care. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has to happen. <clears throat> All right. Let's move on to uh, Isabella. Isabella. Uh, which, I, which I have labeled the perfect life. Mm-hmm. Okay? The perfect one. The perfect one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Some of my favorite interactions in this whole movie is Metabelle and Isabella. I think it's hilarious. My favorite line of the whole movie is when she sees that it's Isabella in the in the vision. Oh yeah, you know, Isabella. The way she said, "I'm just oh my gosh, it's uh-huh. so funny." What? Every time. What is hugging her gonna do? Yeah. I gotta go see the family. The bring hug. it in, bring it in. That's my. It's not my favorite song, but that is my favorite. <laughs> Part of any song. <laughs> bring it in, bring, bring it, it in. Bring it in, bring it in. Yeah. So Isabella um, initially thinks she's doing the right thing for the family, but she wears a mask 
of perfection, uh-huh. which is something especially church people can uh, understand. But I think anybody can, especially these days with social media. Oh, uh, yeah. We all wear masks of perfection. Everything's great in our life. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, we, those, there's some of us that have learned to take those off. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's a, it's a common thing, mm-hmm. but like with church, it's, you know, it's the runaway joke of the family that's yelling at each other in the van all yep. the way to the church. And then as soon as they walk through that door, big smiles, mm-hmm. everything's great. We're a yep. happy family. Perfect. Uh, mom and dad and 2.5 children. Yeah. <clears throat> so she's wearing this mask of perfection. She's the, the. The perfect golden job, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. Her power is very beautiful. Um, it, you know, obviously will just make everybody happy. Like that's that's her, that's her lot in life to make people smile. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she does though life-altering things for others that she doesn't want to do because she thinks it's the only way mm-hmm. to keep everybody happy. Yep. And to keep this, so she wears that mask of, okay, yeah, she wants to marry this guy and have five kids, which might have been uh, a lie. Have you seen that theory? Yes. <laughs> yep. With the little side eye. He wants five children. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyway, she, um, the, the song, this, this encounter with Metabelle, um, reveals it, or well, before it's before the song starts. It's in the argument. Reveals that yeah. she never I didn't wanted want to marry, marry him. him. Uh-huh. <clears throat> she was doing it for the family. Mm-hmm. And so what this really happens is that she's hiding her real identity. She's hiding her real struggles. She's hiding her personal desires. Mm-hmm. All because she wants to keep on this mask of perfection, not only on herself, but on the family as well. Mm-hmm. She wants to help this family see, yes, yeah, see, we're growing. We're good. We're happy. We're building new generations. We're keeping the magic alive. She feels responsible for the face of the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thoughts. Um, so e- originally, that's a new word. Originally. originally. Uh, <laughs> Originally, I was not thinking Isabella was the people pleaser, but as we were talking about Luisa, I actually kind of am sitting on the fence between her and another character. Um, and I may be leaning more towards Isabella being yeah. the people pleaser. <sighs> it's a, it's a complicated movie. It and is. That's okay. It is. Um, <laughs> For me, as I'm watching and I have watched and I have listened to commentary and tried to figure thing, different things out, I have pinpointed which character would be my child, my children. Your children. All three children. All three children. And all three children are a little bit of each girl, but they do lean more towards one specific. Okay. Okay. Um, and Isabella is Mila. Okay. The perfect one. <laughs> Hair flip. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and again, you know, kind of looking at an analytical perspective from this, you tend to think that, well, a lot of people tend to think Luisa is the oldest and then Isabella. I think Isabella would be the oldest. And a lot of people would then think that the oldest would fall into these kind of same mentalities and in the category. I'm going to look it up. Okay. If 
figure it out. <laughs> um, but usually the oldest is deemed as the perfect one. The one who can do no wrong. The one that sets the standard for all the other kids. Okay. Isabella is the oldest. Okay. Isabella, Mirabel's oldest sister. See? And um, then Louisa is the middle? Uh, that's not showing me that. Okay. Isabella is the firstborn grandchild of the Madrigals. And she's apparently 21 years old with the events of Encanto taking place. Luisa is a middle child, yep. estimated 19 years old. Maribel is the youngest. And I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere else that Maribel is supposed to be like 14. 14? Yeah. Okay. See? So, uh-huh, look at me. Look at you. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so it, for me, it's kind of strange that it is my youngest that is in the same the kind of, uh-huh. <laughs> well, the, the whole people pleasing yeah. and the perfect one and the one that can do no wrong and sets the standard and, but she very much is. Yeah. And she very much is a people pleaser. And it is something <laughs> that I have known in her from a very long time that I tell her all the time, you need to do what you want to do. Do what Mila wants to do, not what your brothers want to do. Not what your daddy wants you to do. Not what I want you to do. What does Mila want? Even to the point of picking food for dinner. If we allow her the option to choose dinner, you can see it on her. The struggle, the internal battle <laughs> of, okay, but I want this, but I know that nobody else wants this. And if I say this, then everybody's going to be upset because right. nobody else wants it. But this is really what I want. <sighs> Fine. Keep oh, the family happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So anyway, it's funny to, again, I keep saying funny. <laughs> it's very strange to me how when you look at every character, the goal is always the same. Yeah. It's the family. Protect the family. Uh -huh. And Encanto. To a yeah. Degree. Yeah. But we'll see. And in a lot of ways, I think that the Encanto symbolizes the family. It is not necessarily the house. It's No, the Encanto is the city. Well, the casita's the house. Okay, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Um, but again, I feel like that is more of the family. Sure, 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 sure. You know, because if that falls apart, then the family falls apart. Sure. And, but while the end goal in every character's um, game, if you will, is <laughs> the family, protect the family. It all comes out in different, yeah, different ways and different struggles, different issues. Uh huh. Absolutely. Honestly, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when Isabella makes the cactus. Yeah, <laughs> she kind of goes punk rock at the end there in that song. She does. It's all changes her colors around. Uh huh. Makes carnivorous plants. So, and then this is <laughs> another time where we see. I don't remember which one of our back robots was talking about the green. I think it was three. Okay, but we see the green. Yeah. You know, and I only remember that because Canon was like, hey, look, it's, uh, oh man, I forgot her name. It just left my head from, from Guardians of the Galaxy, Gamora. Hey, Gamora. look, it's Gamora. And I was like, <laughs> what? Anyway. Um, but to see like the, you can see that her mind blow. Right. Visibly like, wait, 
I just made something that I've never made before and it goes against everything that I've ever been told I should be making. Right. But it's, it's beautiful. It's not traditionally traditionally beautiful, but it's beautiful in its own way. Yeah. 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 I love that. And its differences. Uh-huh. Bring it in, bring it in. <clears throat> it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So those are those are our first two characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, next time we're gonna do the unthinkable and talk about Bruno. <laughs> we'll be back with more. Stick around. Uncharted waters, unfamiliar territory, whereabouts unknown, area undiscovered. These phrases seem terrifying in most situations. Hearing any of these things may leave someone in a bit of a panic as they begin to step out of safety and into circumstances they've not yet encountered. At any moment, things could go awry and we're left in an unfamiliar area with no idea where to turn or what to expect next. How true this has been for countless people through the pages of God's Word. Abraham and Sarah's long trek to Egypt, Noah sailing through the floodwaters in hopes of dry land, Paul's missionary journey and travels, even Jonah making his way to Nineveh. And let's not forget where that ultimately landed him, right in the belly of that whale. Their journeys were all unique, purposefully different. But one thing they all have in common is the faith produced through the unknown. When all else is unknown, allow your faith to be concrete in the faithfulness of the one who knows, the one who provides, the one who sees and makes a way even through the storm. Let's never forget that the God who parted the Red Sea to make a way for safety for his people is the same God who is in control of our lives. And while the waters may be uncharted to us, they can be moved at any moment by the God who knows the very depths no man has yet to discover. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. There's a lot going on in our Discord, backrowdiscord.com, where you get to chat after the show, share your own show ideas, keep up to date with our Twitch and YouTube, be a part of our radio shows, and also see the behind-the-scenes workings of Back Row Games, including Sunday School Answers. Again, go to backrowdiscord.com to join. This week, we are talking about Encanto. So far, we've taken a look at the sisters Isabella and Luisa, and today... We're talking about Bruno. But first, we're going to give you the spoiler alert talk. Do I have a siren over here? I don't know if you do or not. You're supposed to have already known that. I have a sad trombone. No, that is definitely not spoiler alert worthy. (laughs) Oh, I mean, hey. Spoiler alert. Yeah. If you haven't seen Encanto yet, pause us. This segment is going to be a spoiler for you. Go watch the movie and then come back and listen. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I like that one. I wish y'all could have seen the dance he just did. Uh, you can. Yeah. You can. Go watch the video version mm-hmm. on YouTube. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
So we're not only going to be talking about Bruno. We're going to be talking about Bruno, Peppa, and Julieta. Uh-huh. Take a look at the, their characters a bit deeper and see what their struggles are. Let's start with the one that we know probably the least about, and that's Julieta, mm-hmm. uh, the, who I am deeming the fixer. The fixer, the fixer. yes. <sighs> Which is accurate. Uh, so this one requires a little intuition and reading of facial clues. Cues, I meant to write, and, mm-hmm. I, and I even read it wrong. Yeah. Um, so she has the ability to heal with food. She created food. It'll heal whatever your issue is. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 The food. The Spanish is coming out. And she, can, she can Today. fix everything except her family. Mm-hmm. She can't make her daughter magical. She can't solve her daughter's issues. She can't bring Bruno back. Mm-hmm. We saw her, you know, talk about her heart. Basically, you saw that her heart breaking when she's talking about, you know, Bruno lost his way in this family, and I don't want that to happen to you. Mm-hmm. She stands up for her daughter, uh, especially when she's finally pushed enough at the end of the movie. She stands up to Abuela, saying that you've always treated her differently or poorly or whatever. She has, I believe, this is just my interpretation of the character, but she has this deep desire to be able to do more than she can with her with her gift. She can heal physical ailments, but what she really wants to do is heal the family because she sees the cracks. Mm-hmm. She sees what's broken. She's not very vocal about it because she doesn't know what she can do, but she is broken on the inside about what she sees happening, especially with her daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think she's probably been that way. Maybe not since Bruno left, <coughs> but since her daughter's door didn't come either. Mm-hmm. You know, those two situations, <coughs> I think, weigh heavily on Julieta. But that's really just into it, into the character. Might be partially, you know, a, a, a what's it called? Fan uh, fiction. <laughs> Fan, Fan fiction, fiction of the story. But like I, I just I just feel that in the the facial expressions and the way that she talks. Yeah. And I agree. I agree with that. I again I can relate to Julieta in a lot of ways. Um because I think that she knows it different from you. I think that she knows how to fix it. I don't think that she knows how to verbalize it. And I think that she tries and she tries and she tries. Mm. Even with her conversation with um, Mirabel, when she tells her, you're, you are fine just the way that you are. You're perfect just the way that you are, whatever her wording is. You don't need a power, you know. I think that that is her trying to say, stop. Mm. Stop trying to search. Stop trying to be something that you're not. We are good just how we are, but we have to be how we are. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, she is, I think is probably the biggest, um, underrated character in the entire movie. And, uh, leaning into Bruno a bit, do you think Julieta didn't notice when food was missing from the kitchen? You know, because Bruno is kitchen adjacent in the wall, taking food that's been prepared. He had one of those uh, 
well, I don't remember what they're called, piat con quesos or whatever they were, those little cheese circles. And uh, he has his own little table that's adjacent to their table across the, you know, through the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think that, number one, that she doesn't know that he's there taking the food? And number two... Do you think the reason he takes the food and sits down to eat with the family is he hopes that whatever's wrong with him will be solved by eating Julieta's cooking? Oh. <laughs> Big <clears throat> well, brain. That, that's all I got Big on brain. her. you have anything else on Julieta? So I will say this. I think... <sighs> I think that there is an undertone of this is going to like really probably make some people furious and possibly blow a couple minds. I think there's an undertone where the family does know that Bruno is not gone. Mm. Um, Just like you're saying with the food. I think it's one of those situations where everybody kind of sees it and they kind of question and they're like, wait, what's happening? What's going But they don't want to say it because then they're going to look crazy. Yeah. You know? And so then if we all come together and we're all like, Hey, I've been noticing this and I've been noticing this, the pieces would then fit together and people would be like, okay, Bruno is somewhere. Right. Where is Bruno? You know? Um, but there's that fear of it causing <clears throat> more division in the yeah. family at causing more problems and them possibly being certifiably insane, <laughs> you know? So they just don't speak about it. They don't yeah. talk about it. And I think there is, okay, this goes into Bruno, but I think that there's that underlying reasoning of why they don't talk about Bruno. It's not just because he's, he brings bad luck, so to speak. Okay. Bad juju magumbo. Uh-huh. Um, but they don't want to talk about Bruno because <coughs> they don't want to look crazy. And because it's hurtful. It's this deep-seated pain. It's hurtful. It's also something broken about the family that they don't want. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing with the facade, the mask. Right. You want to look like the family strongly and Kanto's strong. Yeah. The magic is strong. Everything's good. Everything's perfect. Yeah, I agree mm-hmm. with that. Right, let's move on to the uh, next triplet, uh, Peppa. Peppa. <coughs> Pardon me. Goodness gracious. Um, Peppa, I am deeming the bottler. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is forced to bottle up her emotions because her emotions are literally always on her sleeve. Uh, her husband encourages her to open up, mm-hmm. to be more genuine. Uh, but she resists it because largely one of the, you know, abuela, abuela tells her to stuff it mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. You have a cloud. <laughs> I know, mama. <laughs> what do you want me to do? What do you want from me? She yells out. Like she, she is, I mean, every time you see her, she looks almost manic. Yeah. She's always all, oh, clear skies, clear skies. She's rubbing her hair, trying to calm herself down, and bottling up every emotion that she has instead of letting it loose, because if she lets it loose, it's going to cause a storm or a snowstorm or a hurricane or whatever else. Mm -hmm. (coughs) And that doesn't look good. Doesn't look good for the Encanto, Mm -mm. uh, for the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, So because of her emotions being bottled up, I think she exaggerates everything in her mind. 
uh, just like anybody else would. I mean, that's a common thing in recovery process and stuff like that. Bottling up your own emotions until you pop. That's especially like with people that struggle with anger. Uh, most of them started that process because when they were growing up, they were told to bottle up their emotions until one day they exploded on somebody mm-hmm. and they didn't know how to rein that in. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a common thing. <laughs> like he's, he's, you know, you hear about that with, you know, people saying, oh, he's, he's really nice unless you get him angry. You know, well, that's a dangerous, dangerous way to live. You have to be able to be able to deal with your emotions in a healthy manner. And you want to deal with them as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. You don't want to bottle them up. You don't want to let too much time go. Now, there's benefits sometimes to, to uh, you know, sleeping on something. But even then, at the most, you'll let 12 hours go. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't let it just continue on forever. Uh, even the Bible says, you know, if you have a, uh, don't let the sun go down on your anger mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, you deal with this stuff. Get it done. Get it, get it resolved. Um, so with her, we see her, um, bottling all that up. And then we get to that song. We don't talk about Bruno, the most, most popular song from the movie where she's sitting there telling Maribel and her husband, Felix over and over again. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. And then as the song starts, we don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. But mm-hmm. that glorious but where she explodes, mm-hmm. tells this whole exaggerated story of how Bruno came in all mischievous and devious, saying it looks like rain. Mm-hmm. And it destroys her wedding day. When we hear at the end of the you know thing, he's saying, I, it wasn't a prophecy. I was just worried about you. <laughs> That's all it was. Mm-hmm. And... You know, she she took that and bottled it up. And maybe over time, that story in her mind grew as to how uh, how it went down and how how it affected her. But despite her big protests, if we don't talk about Bruno, she let it all spill out. Which uh, (laughs) even as Felix is kind of taking over and telling the story, she even, you know, implies that she needs to. You need to shut up. I'm telling the story. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting this out right now. Don't mm-hmm. step on my story. <clears throat> and, and, you know, again, like I said, it, it wasn't an accurate reputation, representation of Bruno. It was an exaggerated tale. And I think that comes from having bottled it up for so long. Mm-hmm. I think if you... <laughs> I think if you have an understanding of what um, struggles, how struggles can kind of become a domino effect and how they can kind of grow into something more than just that one individual struggle, then you can clearly see the parallel between Julieta, Peppa, Bruno, Mm -hmm. and um, Luisa, Isabella, and Mirabel. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I believe Luisa and Peppa are similar. Very, very similar. Yeah. Peppa is going to end up being Louisa if <laughs> Louisa doesn't get control of her codependency. And <coughs> sheesh. Uh, Isabella is going to end up being Julieta 
if she doesn't get control of her people pleasing. Yeah. Correct. Where does that leave Mirabel? <laughs> correct. Correct. I don't think we're surprised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. And then the last triplet, mm-hmm. Bruno, the, uh, the one hiding in fear. My favorite. And I will <laughs> not even lie. So he hides away because he is uh, misunderstood. He is desperately afraid of confrontation because, as he explains, every 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 prophecy he's had gets uh, twisted by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like he, or even if he says something, even if it's not a prophecy, like he said, I could just see you were sweating at the wedding day. It wasn't a prophecy. Like anything that he says is taken as a prophecy and makes everybody worry about the future. So it's also. A way to protect the rest of the family from that fear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's what I always focus on is fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown drives us inward. Yeah. And so if you're thinking about like, oh, it's very unrealistic that he'd be living in that back room inside the walls and eating food that he steals and watching rats perform soap operas for his entertainment, you know, for this whole time and coming up with all these weird characters to, you know, it's all very unrealistic that couldn't happen. But I mean, that's exactly what happens to a lot of people Oh yeah, who are living in very rough situations. We're going to get, you know, we'll get real here. We're talking about like women who are, are staying in abusive relationships, uh, men who are, are, well, anybody, anybody who's afraid to, to go after a new job or get out of a situation that they hate, to stop using drugs, to stop drinking, all of these situations where you have this desire for something better in your life, but because you can't see the steps to get from where you are to there, and you can't guarantee that you'll ever get to a better place, that fear of the unknown will keep you where you're at because there is a sense of comfort in staying where you are because you know what to expect from it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's going to make you miserable, you get that comfort of knowing what to expect. And so that is enough to keep you miserable because you don't know what to expect in the unknown. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Into the unknown. Oh, that's another that's Disney another movie. Movie. <laughs> I like that song much I better am. than uh, Let It Go. Oh, yeah, for sure. Into the unknown. For sure. I, oh, sorry. Um, I don't like, I shouldn't say I don't like, I enjoy it, but I don't think that it is my favorite song like it is everybody else's. I don't like it to the magnitude that everybody else likes. Yeah. We don't talk about Bruno. Um, that, but, could been, that could have been anything. <laughs> I don't like, well, I'm not going to say I don't like it. I enjoy it. Murdering clowns. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been anything. I mean that too, but I'm specifically talking about we don't talk about Bruno. Okay. Um, I, I get why it is the most catchy song. It's, it's beautiful. But at the same time, I feel like it is, I don't know. I sing that line every day. (laughs) Too bad we don't live somewhere where you can actually (laughs) sing it and it like, it means something. Right, yeah. There was a meme, uh, like, wakes up, uh, puts on my my underwear, puts on my sock, (sighs) stand up straight. Look out the window of the brand new day. <laughs> Set foot in frame, 
that's and that's your brain immediately. That's how you start your day. And that is literally how most of my days begin. I wake up and immediately have an Encanto song in my head that <laughs> I didn't watch to put there. I didn't dream about it. Yeah. But because we have watched this movie almost once a day since we first watched it. Like, I can't get that soundtrack out of my head. I mean, it's fair. <laughs> and it is definitely a good soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Again, I think he is... He was kind of done an injustice in this movie. Oh, yeah, sure. There's so much more to the story. And what I'm hopeful for is that it will be heavily focused when there's a number two. Well, I think this is, that's that's the case pretty much with all the characters. Because really what we find by the end of the movie is that we've just kind of realized that everybody does have problems. But we haven't really solved them. Well, yeah. Like, we, we've, we've come to a little bit more of an understanding, and we're working toward that direction. And sure, Luisa got to sit down and drink a, uh, you know, a drink in the hammock at the end. But that doesn't necessarily mean that well, she's not going to deal with that issue anymore. Because even in that same song, like you said, she had that thing, well, sometimes I cry. Uh -huh. Like, she's still struggling with those. Is yeah. this okay? <laughs> Is it okay to not be strong all the time? I do feel like we have a little more closure with the sisters than we do with the triplets. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, again, I'm hopeful for for a part two in this. I but can't imagine they won't try to shoehorn a second one out, just I, given how popular exactly, this was. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I think as we kind of round out these, the, the triplet chat here and... Trip chat. Yeah, give a nod to what's happening tomorrow. Um, it is a perfect display of a generational hurt... And the way that it can carry out through, it becomes multi-generational. What's happening tomorrow? Well, in our next discussion. Oh, I mean, okay. I'm sorry. Sorry. In our <laughs> next thought, discussion. I thought this was outside of the show. No. Like, what are you pulling into? Giving a nod to our, our next chat. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I'm that sick. it all starts yeah. from one thing <laughs> and all of this, it's a trickle-down effect. Mm. Gotcha. All right. Well, we have now looked at five characters. And next time, we are going to focus on Maribel and Abuela. Mm -hmm. Stick around. We'll be back with more. Hey, everyone. I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So I've been playing Pokemon Legends Arceus a little too much. Like, if I'm, I'm, I'm super honest. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound bad on audio, but I'm pretty sure I've played that game more than I've slept in the last three days. So I took today off from playing, by the way, um, because I made the realization. Um, but one of the things that I've really enjoyed about the Pokemon games of the last, you know, eight years or so, um, as I've been playing them more, have been the fact that whenever you beat the air quotes campaign and the credits roll, there's usually like a whole other storyline to go with. 
Like, I know for, like, Sword and Shield, once you won the big tournament, there's a whole other mystery and some more legendaries and stuff that you have to go do. And so Arceus is a different style of Pokemon game, so I wasn't sure how that was going to play out. So I saw myself getting close to the end, air quotes. And then I beat the game and the credits rolled. And I texted my friend. I'm like, hey, beat it. Yay. Woo. And then uh, it's like, oh, psych. Uh, here's a whole other game that you got to keep playing. And uh, final bosses and stuff that were much harder than one you just beat. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. And like, so I kept playing. And then after sitting there way too long, I beat that boss. And I'm like, yeah, it's over. And then they give you this thing um, without spoilers, and there's this big ending and this big boss, uh, but you can only do it after you have caught every single Pokemon. And by the count on this game, that's 240 Pokemon. And uh, it reminded me of this verse in Matthew 24:14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So many of us, we want like a short version of the gospel, where as long as we like share with a couple people or whatever else, you know, we can stop. The reality is the, the mission and the focus of the gospel is that it has to keep going until every person is reached, and then it'll end. And I literally looked at that screen and said, but I don't want to have to catch them all. And that's how most people look at, you know, sharing their faith. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. Have you ever been around another person that used a word or phrase that you were absolutely certain you should know, but you didn't? Of course you have. Well, don't worry, nerd, because we've got some great news for you. You're about to learn something brand new. This is the real world, bub, and you need to learn to hold your own in a nerdy conversation. So pull up an ear and pay attention because LTN has another nerdy definition for you. Today's term is cheese. No, we're not talking about that sweet, melty goodness that makes life worth living. We're talking about a strategy in games like League of Legends. In particular, a cheese is an unorthodox, unusual, or unpredictable strategy that is used by a player or team that has a huge risk of failure, but if it's managed to be pulled off, also offers a big win. These strategies typically only work when the opponents don't see it coming, because it's often such a dumb play, no serious player would typically try it. Sometimes cheesing refers to a strategy that uses an element that isn't technically cheating, but most players would consider it to be. An example from my childhood would be from the original Mortal Kombat game, where a player could use Scorpion's get over here move over and over again and never let their opponent even make a move. That is a cheese strategy, a cheap trick that requires almost no skill but does a lot of damage. Simply put, it's bad manners. But why is it called cheese? No one really has that nailed down, as the term actually dates back as early as 1992. However, the leading theory is that it's just a combination of the words cheap, cheat, and easy. So next time you're playing Among Us and someone kills you on spawn, you can call them out for cheesing, because now you understand that reference. This 
this week we are talking about Encanto. So far, we've taken a look at the sisters, Isabella, Luisa, and the triplets, Julieta, Peppa, and the one we don't talk about. Today, we're going to look at the characters and connections of Mirabel and Abuela. But first, we're going to give you the spoiler alert talk. You got a sound over there? No? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. Um... Sure. If you haven't seen it yet, pause us, go watch it, because you're going to have a spoiler in this discussion. Hey, I like that one. Ooh, I like that, yeah. That one makes sense. <laughs> Apparently, so does our soundboard. <laughs> um, all right. So we will also discuss the theory on what exactly Maribel's gift was today. Didn't have one. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. know. But let's start with Abuela. Abuela, the perfectionist. No. That is not what she is. Explain. I'll let you go first. She is the controller. (laughs) What do you think a perfectionist is? No, a perfectionist (laughs) doesn't necessarily need to have control. A perfectionist just needs that everything be done correctly. Whereas, no, they are two very different things. They are two very different things. Um, A controller has to have control of all situations at all times. Everyone. Well, in a situation, that is what she uses. She uses that word, everything has to be perfect, that she says to everybody. That is how she's controlling people. So that's why I'm using the term. But I understand what you're saying. There can be people that are perfectionists that are just focused on their own lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get you. But that's not what I mean here. She so struggles with control. She's definitely experienced trauma, mm-hmm. which we see. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's repressed a lot of that inwardly. She demands perfection because any cracks, uh, both figuratively and literally, threaten what she has now. So she is afraid, and she says this also in the movie, she's afraid of losing more. She lost her husband. She's afraid of losing more family in the future. Yeah. And she thinks that this miracle, this candle, this miracle, whatever gift is the only thing standing in the way of that. And so everything must be perfect. And I really think, I really think it's not really told in the movie this way, but I really think that her, her obsession with perfection might have started with the door disappearing. Mirabelle's door disappearing because you saw her look down and the candle kind of flickered just a bit like it was almost going to go out when that door disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I think that worried her. I think that worried her and thought, okay, something went wrong. We have to be perfect. We have to be uh, doing everything the right way to keep the magic happy or whatever. So she is also afraid of the future. She's afraid of future loss, afraid of the unknown. She's controlling. I have that on here. Into the unknown. Again, another. (laughs) She is controlling, yet loving. Um, Mm. She has resented, or she is resented by or feared by her children and her older grandchildren. And she is uh, what we know and see her as the keeper of the family secret. Mm -hmm. Uh, Celebrate recovery programs. Family secret is something that when you're going through a step study, which is kind of a more in-depth 12-step um, process, like you're, you're really focused on this, doing a, a lot of extra homework, 
that's one of the questions that it asks you, like, what is the family secret? What is the one thing that that your family all knows but never talks about? And so there's the family secret of, you know, what happened to Bruno, of course. Everybody knows that but doesn't really talk about specifically. But I think the family secret that I'm thinking of here is really that the magic is dying. Mm-hmm. We see, you know, Metabelle outside her window, hear her give sort of a prayer, not really a prayer, but talking to her dead husband in the form of a prayer kind of mm-hmm. about, you know, we can't let them know that the magic is dying. We can't let the magic die. Very worried that that she's going to lose the Encanto as a whole or her family or the magic's going to be gone. And because the magic's gone, the Encanto is going to, you know, fall apart. <clears throat> All kinds of those worries of what's going to happen in the future. And that causes her to, like you said, be controlling, nitpick, make sure everybody is doing everything correctly, and to the point where it's making everybody else nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there, for me, and I told Matt this before we started, Abuela is my least favorite character. I have a very, very difficult time. She's the closest thing to a villain the movie actually has, even though she has a redemption and she realizes her her struggle yeah. at the end. But there is no like traditional villain in the movie. No. And uh, so everyone is a villain to some degree. To, to some be degree, com- a little bit. Yeah. To be completely it's honest, not, it's not entirely wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we all are our own villain. <laughs> um, so, specifically for me with Abuela, they you said that she's controlling yet loving, and I think that she would like to say she's controlling yet loving. But what has actually ended up happening is that she is so controlling, she has lost sight of love Mm. for her family. No, so she doesn't want, she doesn't want for the family to fall apart, but she is unwilling to accept anyone where they are at all. She's unwilling to accept Isabella. She will not let Isabella live the way that she wants to live. Even when Isabella and Isabella makes that big mess and um, Mirabelle and Isabella try and tell Abuela, no, she's happy. No, she's not. She cannot absolutely, absolutely not. She is not going to be happy like this. Clean up the mess. She's unwilling to allow Isabella to be who she wants to be. She is unwilling to love Mirabel at all. Constantly pointing fingers and pointing out the fault. Mm. And it may be like a, a sly undertone, like sly remarks, but it's still those sly remarks that leave scars that hurt, that are so very painful. And finally, Mirabel gets to the point where she's like, no. I'm I'm not going to take this from you anymore. To be completely honest, there's a lot of emotional abuse from Abuela. Sure. And I think that that is probably why, for me, she is my least favorite. Yeah. Because it gets kind of sugar-coated in the sense that, yes, she faced trauma. And, yes, there was a lot of hardship. Um, 
that I'm sensitive towards. Yeah. However, her trauma and hardship has caused six people at the very least, you know, six people that we've, well, five so far, but six that we will look at overall who have had to lead very difficult, hard lives and struggles of their own because Abuela dealt with something hard. Yeah. And for me, I, I have a hard time rationalizing that. I have a hard time. That is projecting your own pain and your own hurt and your own fears onto other people, which then causes struggle and trauma in their own lives without yeah. even realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that, that <clears throat> any of that gets justified uh, by her redemption moment at the end. Um, but I'm not saying, but I, I am saying that that doesn't necessarily negate the fact that she does love her family. I think that instead what it, what it, indicates is that she's convinced herself that what she's doing is best for her family and thus that is the best form of love that she can show them okay now still obviously everything that you said 100 percent true very controlling emotionally manipulative it's a very toxic uh relationship that she has with the family mm -hmm. and that is dangerous but like i'm thinking about like my own father Mm -hmm. When I was a young kid and even a teenager, my dad was very emotionally distant, very, um, the only, uh, interactions I had with him were negative ones. Uh, he would take out a lot of his anger on me, but as I've grown up, I've seen he struggled. He was struggling so much during that time in ways that I didn't know. Right. And, and I don't think he liked himself doing what he was doing either. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, knowing times that, that I have, you know, made similar mistakes or struggled with anger or things of that nature, I can see how he got to that point and have that kind of empathetic feeling Sure. of, you know, I see how that slippery slope happened mm -hmm. and I can see how you struggled with that. And as adults now, you know, before my father passed away, we had several conversations about that. Yeah. And, you know, you know, he apologized and he had those kind of come to Jesus moments himself, mm -hmm. though kind of more spread out over time. But like he realized who he was back then, mm -hmm. realized who he let himself become. But that didn't mean that he didn't love me in those times. And mm -hmm. I never thought that he didn't. Right. Um, but I didn't ever feel it mm -hmm. at that time. Yeah. And all I ever felt from him was either anger or control issues. Mm -hmm. And so. I guess I'm just not willing to so easily say that she's not loving just because it's not shown in the correct way. So for me, and. And it might be splitting hairs. I don't know. No, here's <coughs> here's why I'm so I don't want to say passionate about it, but why I think that it is such an important thing to address Um in abusive relationships, whether it be spousal or uh, parental, whatever you know, between siblings, whatever, in abusive relationships, it it is so common, you know, that people stick around and tough it out because they say, "Well, I know that they love me." Sure. You know, and that is so dangerous because yes, they may have love for you. There may be an underlying feeling of 
you know, overall concern and care for your well-being, but their actions are not loving. Right. You know, and that is something that is very important. Um, and I don't just mean physically abusive because at 36, oh, yeah, no. Emotional, yeah. yeah, at 36 years old, I have come to realize <clears throat> that with my own biological father and myself, the relationship is abusive, Yeah, has always been. And I have had to set boundaries for my own mental health because in a lot of ways he is, he is like abuela has trauma within his own life, has, has fears and worries for the future that then project on me. And then myself being who I am, want to make sure that he's okay. Not realizing that I'm quite literally dying inside, yeah, hurting, carrying not only my pain, but his pain, you know? Right. And all the while excusing, well, he's my dad and I know that he loves me. Okay. He may love me to the degree in which he knows how to love, but there comes a time in every person's life and in their recovery where they have to be honest and admit that the love that they're showing is not love. And it has to be healthy for both parties. Gotcha. Don't hear me say that anything that I'm saying about Abuela's character um, would be me saying, so all the other family should just tough it out. <laughs> right. Because that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Mitabelle's, Mitabelle's accusations in that last moment, that the cracked moment mm -hmm. there, perfectly justified. Yeah. And the catalyst that needed to happen. Right. Um, without that, you know, explosion, no resolve would have come. Yeah. Um, there is definitely, definitely cause for, for anybody in a toxic relationship with a parent or a grandparent or whatever, what have you, authority figure in your life where you have to make the decision to, to leave mm -hmm. or to change the boundaries of that relationship. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying that whatsoever. Um, that, I mean that, that that's not the case that, that you should just tough it out because you know, you love them or they love you. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> like you're, you're right for sure with that. Uh, so it's just a hard, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a hard um, dynamic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To it really explain, is. Yes. Really. Yeah. Um, so let's move to Minabelle. Okay. Now, Minabelle, I've labeled the lost. She doesn't know what she's supposed to do. She puts on a brave face. Mm -hmm. She does genuinely love all of her family. You could tell that from the very first song as she is just swooning over pretty much everybody in the family mm -hmm. <laughs> in that song. Yeah. Uh, and telling everybody about it, telling all these kids and, you know, all the people around as if she's singing, just letting everyone know. What a great family I have. Mm -hmm. uh, she tends to everybody else. She's a caretaker. As we see through all this, everybody that she inter interacts with, she is also kind of taking care of them, mm -hmm. helping them get to a realization, helping them feel justified in how they're using their gift or, or the changes that they need to make in using their gift, mm -hmm. helping them realize that when they have these big realizations, it's a good thing. Like, uh, you know, Louisa saying that she overdoes it. That's a good thing to admit. 
Isabella saying that she didn't want to marry this guy anyway. She was doing it for the family. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't, she didn't shame her for, for, you know, not saying anything about that. She says that's such a, it's such a big move. It's such a, it's such progress mm-hmm. for you to come to this realization and then admit it. <clears throat> but she does have this, this generational struggle that she seems to be most uh, aware of. Um, and she does have a mask of her own mm-hmm. that she wears that we see come out after the door ceremony for the youngest one. I don't mm-hmm. know his name. Antonio. Antonio. Uh, where she she's afraid that she's not good enough, that she's not worthy. She wants to be given a chance to prove that she's good enough. Mm-hmm. But she's wondering, what, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And so instead of waiting on a miracle like she implies in the song (laughs) instead of just sitting there waiting for something to happen she gets up and she makes something happen Mm -hmm. she sees that there's a problem she's like i am going to do whatever i can even without this miracle while i'm waiting i'm going to do something i'm going to work which is a very um very good christian lesson (laughs) because <laughs> there are a lot of us who are like, I'm just waiting on what God wants me to do. I'm waiting on waiting the path on the God Lord. wants me to have. Well, while you're waiting, get up and do some other good stuff. Get up and serve somewhere else. Get up and help. Yeah. Even if you don't know if that's the the end goal for your life with God, as long as you're doing things that are good for the kingdom, get up and do them mm-hmm. until God shows you where you're going to be next. Yes. <clears throat> but that's the mind that mindset that she has. And uh, ultimately... We see that she has a connection with everybody, mm-hmm. uh, including uh, Abuela, in a way that nobody else has a connection with her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we have the uh, the butterflies that we saw. We see that song uh, that is talking about the two caterpillars and then eventually two butterflies. Mm-hmm. But this is a this is my interpretation here. Is that Mirabelle does have a gift. And the gift is being the next caretaker of the miracle. Okay. The door disappears because the casita is her house. The casita is her room. She is the only other person besides Abuela that talks to casita. Hmm. She is the only other person besides Abuela that is concerned with everybody else, but in a good way, as opposed to Abuela's concern with everybody being perfect. She is concerned that everybody is is being the actual perfect, like becoming who they're supposed to be, dealing with things the way they're supposed to be. Yeah. Now she has to come around to these things kind of organically herself and deal with her own issues, like even going to talk to Isabella. But... Basically, what she does is get everybody else to open up their eyes to the reality of the world around them and to the house and to the encanto and to the problems that are arising. Opening up Bruno's eyes to nobody wanted you to leave. Mm-hmm. Opening up um, you know, her sister's eyes. Opening up. Giving Antonio courage. Giving Antonio courage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's She is... Caring for the family. Yeah. <clears throat> now we see this with, um, we talked about with, uh, with the, um, 
the Discord peeps, we talked about the clothing mm-hmm. and how the different things. Yes. So Abuela, Abuela's dress has butterflies, but then it also has those twin mountains that encase the Encanto. Uh-huh. Which shows that her focus is on the entirety of the Encanto. The good of the Encanto, not necessarily on the health and well-being of her family. Meanwhile, Mirabelle, like Brother Maud told us in the discussion, Mirabelle has little bits and pieces, has a, a symbol from everybody in the family on mm-hmm. her clothes. Mm-hmm. Meaning that her focus... Is the family. Is the family. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that she has, that's not just sewn in, but sewn on, is a butterfly. And uh, I think it was Eli that pointed out that in the kitchen, otherwise known in most cultures as the heart of the home, mm-hmm. is covered in butterflies in the stonework. I really think that the whole butterfly thing is pointing us to the fact that you were almost right. That Metabel was almost the house. Yeah. <laughs> that really, Metabel is the caretaker of the house. Yeah. And the family at large that she will be taking over from Abuela at this point. And that's why when the house is finally rebuilt and they make her her own doorknob, when that door becomes magical, we see the whole family with her in the front. Hmm. So I have a theory. Okay. Um, I, so in all the times of watching it, there was, um, one viewing where I kind of had this epiphany, if you will. Um, but I, misspoke but I think that it is my misspeaking kind of got me to where I need to be okay so oh gracious now I can't remember but anyway I said that Mirabelle means (coughs) miracle which it doesn't there's another M name that's Spanish that means miracle and milagro yeah yeah milagro that means miracle however I think that the reason the candle is losing its power is in fact because Abuela was putting so much emphasis on this candle being what was holding the family together and the casito and the encanto together when in all actuality it's not that it's losing its power but that it's giving power to the one who is going to hold the family together. Yeah, I could see that too. Yeah. You know, Mirabel is the miracle. Well, yeah, they even say that in the in that song. Right. Bruno says, you're the real miracle kid. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think that it gets kind of I overshadowed, maybe? Muddied a bit. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of what I was talking about when we were discussing the flaws. Like, we needed an extra 15 minutes to really yeah. flesh, flesh this out. That's the only real uh, gripe I have with the movie is that like the first time I watched it and it ended, I'm like, I still have so many questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you don't really get better. It's more like you just kind of pick up on things and uh-huh. feed into your own mind of what this all means, which is what we've been doing all along this week. But 
like if we had like just 15 more minutes where we could explain <laughs> exactly what this meant, exactly yeah. what this was, it would help us out a whole lot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. But I think that that gets a lot of people aren't even grasping at that, that, you know, it's not that the candle is losing power, but that it's shifting. Right. That's what's, yeah, that's a good, um, and yeah, you know what? Yeah. Cause when the magic comes back at the end, is there a candle? Do we see a candle anywhere? Uh, I believe so. I, I'm going to have to watch it again. Cause I, I don't remember seeing a candle after it comes back. I thought maybe it does. I thought we did. As I remember. But I don't think that it's as bright. <laughs> like it's as significant of a, maybe uh, anyway, yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but also does Metabelle get her own room or is she going to stay in the nursery in the new house too? That's I what I need to know. <laughs> no, the abuela, whole house is It's like you said, Abuela got her own room and yeah. she doesn't have a power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but the whole house is hers. So <laughs> I don't know. For the longest time, that whole first time that we watched it, she is the casita. That is her power. And my kids are like, no, it's not. That's stupid. The family doesn't live in her. Mm-hmm. Right. So <laughs> for anyone who's keeping tabs, Mirabelle is my oldest. Yeah. That is, it is Topher. Very much so. Um, the caretaker. And it makes me sad to say, it really does. If anything, this has opened up my eyes to like, not my kids' struggles, but how to better love my children. Do mm. you know what I mean? Sure. I don't want to make the same mistakes that the family magic realm made. <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, kind of lost, kind of overlooked in the sense that his brother is the athlete and is a competitive athlete. And that is his identity. And that is what we praise him for. That is what we acknowledge him for. And his sister is the baby and the sister and the only girl and, and the perfect one. And oh, she's so cute. And now it's all, she's so beautiful, you know? And then there's Topher and what is his thing? You know, it's one. And that's something that I've shared about before since LTN being able to really see him kind of come into his thing yeah, and having a better understanding from a parental perspective and a non gamers perspective of what his thing is. Um, I definitely feel like he's a little less like Mirabelle than what he could have been a couple years ago. Yeah. But it is very much that, well, who am I? Where do I fit in? But I fit in so much that the weight of this family and the um, success of this family, if you will, our relationships are so significant and so, so, so important that I'm carrying that. I'm holding it together, you know? Yeah. It is definitely a, a <laughs> kick you in the teeth kind of movie if you are a parent. So, do you have any final thoughts on the movie or Menabel's character or anything in general to wrap us up? No, I think that I exhausted all of all my right. thoughts. Well, if you haven't seen it yet, if you were, you know, disregarding our sirens, I know we gave plenty of them. <laughs> and you have not seen this movie? Go see this movie. 
It is so good. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic movie with a fantastic soundtrack. Probably the best soundtrack in a Disney movie in a long, long time. Well, so I wouldn't say in a long, long time because Frozen 2's soundtrack was good. I I don't even remember any other song besides Into the Unknown. And I can't say that about Encanto. I remember every single song about Encanto. Well, no, duh, because Encanto just came out and you've watched it 26 times in the last month. Because it's good. Okay. <laughs> you also, your kids were not. <sighs> okay, here's what I'm saying. I heard soundtrack stuff first, and that made me want to watch the movie. Sure. I heard that song from Frozen first. And that made me want to listen to that song again. Into the end. Didn't make me want to watch the movie. So. And even after watching the movie, I think three times now, I still don't recall being excited about any other song that came on. Oh, okay. Kristoff's song that was like the 80s love ballad to Anna. It was just, I guess, here's what I'm, my, my mindset. That was a more classical Disney princess movie kind of soundtrack. Okay. So I go ahead. Sorry. While Encanto, as well as like Moana, mm. heavily influenced by Lin Manuel Miranda, or well, I think entirely written by Lin Manuel mm -hmm. Miranda for both movies, yeah. are movies that the songs are intended to be driving the story forward in a way that you can't watch this movie without really focusing on the lyrics of these songs. While in classical princess songs, they're really just retelling what you already hear in the dialogue. Yeah, you're right. The emotion. You're right. So and I think that's why it plays a little bit more importance in my sure. memory. Yeah. And I will say this, and I didn't even, I did not even think of Moana, but both Encanto and Moana are, and it's because of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. No way around it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, they are the two Disney movies that feel Disney, you know they're Disney, but they, they're not Disney. Right. They feel something bigger. Yeah. I don't know. It's very hard to explain. I really think it's a soundtrack. I really I'm do. sure. I'm sure it is. And even truly just the, the underlying story that's there that you have to dig into. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love it. It's beautiful. I really do. And that's going to do it for the Back Row Morning Show with Matt and Mo. We hope you enjoyed our discussions and hope you'll join us again next week. Remember that we air our full morning shows first exclusively on LTN Radio, LTNOnAir.com, every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, you can find our full four shows, our four full shows, and our weekly main podcast by searching The Back Row Morning Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the podcast apps. Subscribe, rate five stars, and leave a review, or don't. We're not your parents. We won't be mad. Just disappointed. <laughs> Check out lovethynerd.com. It is positively jam-packed with articles, podcasts, and videos that cover a wide range of nerdy topics. And just like any ministry, we are largely supported by those willing to partner with us financially.
And as one of the newest staff members of LTM and a part-time nerd culture missionary, I'm looking to build my support team uh, to help this radio station grow and to help my family financially as I pour more focus into all I get to do for LTN. So for more information, visit lovethynerd.com slash radio mat. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization and your gift is tax deductible. And make sure you're following us on all the socials. We're on the book, the twit, the gram, and the talk. Just search for at the back row LTN and connect with us. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And remember, if nobody else tells you, we promise it's true. Jesus Jesus loves loves you, nerd. nerd.